open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. We have an awesome interview today with Evan Duffield. He's the lead developer on the Dash project. Welcome to the podcast, Evan. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so, you know, this is a Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. Why are we talking about Dash and how can that apply to Bitcoin? And what is the Dash project in general? So when I got into Bitcoin early in 2011, it was on the basis of a lot of my interests and I'm super interested in finance and economics and machine learning and statistical modeling. I used to run a financial firm generating machine learning signals for customers. And, you know, these are just the things I'm interested in. So when I got into Bitcoin, it's like a perfect blending of all of these things. And based off of that, I really wanted to tinker with the lower level things. I'm really interested in the economics of Bitcoin and trying to tinker with trying to fix some of like these economic issues that, that I see in the currency and seeing if I could come up with something that works a little bit better. But you, you really can't just propose something without evidence to the Bitcoin community. And even if you have evidence, you can't do something to a $6 billion currency that could destroy it. And so the idea here is that you do it to a really small currency And based off of that, we're very nimble and we've done some really adventurous things. And I think that they've turned out really well. And now is the time to take it to the Bitcoin community and say, you know, here, look what we've been doing. And maybe you can use some of some of this for yourself to to help for the scalability issues of the currency itself. Yeah. So we're talking about like using one of these altcoins as a research and development laboratory. Yeah, exactly. And so where where is Dash in terms of the other cryptocurrency projects in terms of size and volume and stuff like that? So currently it's the fifth largest cryptocurrency in the world. And it's got about a $14 million market cap, about 10,000 users. And, you know, it's about two years old. So that's pretty good. We, we have had very stable community uh, driven development on the currency and community involvement. And we've built a really nice base to work with. Yeah, and I think it's what thirty to a hundred thousand dollars a day of volume, give or take. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. I mean, it's seen up to about a million dollars of volume a day, and you know, currently it's it's about like fifty to seventy in the last few days. What are some of these uh, features that you're you're attempting to test or do research and development on in in Dash? So what's really exciting is this two tier network concept, and I. I think the best way to explain it is to go back to the mining network in Bitcoin. And so if you look at the miners as a job network, I I believe that you could argue they're the first truly decentralized job in the world. Basically, the, the way I see it is that you have a group of miners and then you have a decentralized reward and it forms a market and the two have an equilibrium together. 
And based off of this concept, we added a second job to the network. And these people manage our infrastructure. They're called the master node operators. And basically what they do is they run servers for us that are collateralized. And then they manage some of like the highly critical aspects of the currency, such as funding and governance and allowing it to scale as it gets bigger and starts to have more transaction volume. What do you mean by funding? Like in Bitcoin, you just get in and start doing something. Does Dash actually fund projects or like how would that work if it does? So can you give an example or two? One of the really different things about the Dash project to any other project in the world is this decentralized funding implementation that we have. So based off of the fact that we have we have a second tier that is a it's a market within itself within the larger market. And these people have a thousand dash per master node that they operate. And this this thousand dash has a public key and a private key. And so they can actually securely communicate with the network in a way that you can't fake. And since it's collateralized, it's civil proof. So you can do some really neat things with that, such as funding. And the way that you implement funding with a system like this is you allocate another piece of the block reward. And then you say, the network is the only one that can actually determine where this goes. So people propose things to the network. And then this group of thousands of decentralized network administrators that are basically in control of the currency as a whole then tell us where the money goes. If they approve the vote, then these things are funded. Uh, so what would be a specific example of something that got funded and, and how the, the voting actually worked? Well, we've had the system now for a few months, and we've done some really neat things with it. Uh, for example, we bought Dash.org. Uh, it, I think is the first domain name to ever be purchased from the, directly from the block reward, which is pretty neat. And then we also funded three conferences, one in Florida, Miami, Florida, one in Mexico, and then another one in the Netherlands. And so by doing things like this, we're expanding the ecosystem, and we specifically aren't having to carry the burden of doing that. Yeah, so it's a way for projects that benefit the, the currency as a whole to be funded by all the members of the currency as a whole, instead of like just one person doing, you know, funding it out of their own goodwill and then the everybody else being able to free ride off of those benefits? Yeah, so I call this the first adopter problem. And essentially what, what I see is going on is when you get in really early in one of these currencies, you're highly incentivized. And so me and my team are incentivized by the coins that we have. But the people that come after us, the second and third and fourth generation adopters, they don't have the same incentive structures that we do. And so what if we could fund their activities directly from the blockchain? Eventually, the currency should have a large enough market cap that it could actually hire full-time developers. It could hire a legal team. It could do pretty much anything you can imagine that it needed to support the ecosystem and defend it. Now, I, I personally, I'd never owned any Dash. I haven't really looked at the project too much. But what I am interested in is the privacy or the fungibility aspects or experiments that Dash is doing, which I think are, you know, hopefully we'll learn something from that and be able to incorporate it into Bitcoin. What 
are some of those? Like, what is that unique selling proposition that Dash currently has? So that was basically the first experiment that we did. And I wanted to experiment with better fungibility on the currency. And so the reason for this is over long periods of time, you'll have companies that are mining the data in the blockchain because all of the transactions are one-to-one for the most part. And by using this, if they identify a specific party on the blockchain, they can figure out who they're doing business with. And you don't want your users being spied on. And so by adding some amount of privacy to the block, to the the actual blockchain, you can incorporate privacy in a way that stops this from happening. And we did this with an implementation of CoinJoin, which is called DarkSend. And it's a very specific protocol level implementation that anyone on the network can use to make their money private again. And it actually removes all of the transaction history before they used it. Wow. So that that could actually be very, very important and a very good use case for a lot of people. You know, a bank, for example, might have to be in compliance with particular uh, consumer privacy laws. And so they would need to be able to use something like this in order to control the disclosure of, of information. Yeah, that's an excellent point I hadn't thought of. Yeah. Or for HIPAA compliance in the United States, you know, you, you have to if you're a healthcare provider, you have to protect certain consumer data. And so this could uh, help help do that, you know, so people could accept Dash, uh, healthcare providers could accept Dash, whereas they might not be able to accept Bitcoin because of this blockchain analytic data leakage that, that takes place. Now, you made an interesting comment about, you know, being one of the early adopters and having a lot of coins. And when I was doing my research, I found that that's actually one of the big criticisms towards the Dash project was like this insta mine or this pre mine that took place, which I don't know how relevant it is. Like Larry and Sergey Brin, did they pre mine Google? Uh, you know, did Bill Gates pre-mine Microsoft uh, or did they just take advantage of the the specific knowledge that they had? Kind of like Frederick Hayek, his argument about knowledge being dispersed throughout the economy. And that's how we get people to act and and having the property rights and the incentive structures, how we we get that value added or created. Uh, maybe you can address a little bit, though, about like what is this particular criticism? Do you think is even relevant or is it just people trolling? Well, so it's a really interesting criticism. Uh, when when I was working before, I, I had a full-time job, and this was just a hobby. And I wanted to tinker with the, the protocol, and I didn't expect the amount of attention that I got. And so I didn't really expect it to really go anywhere, and I didn't do enough research on the code that I had written before I launched it. And so, you know, as a result, it blew up. And yeah, I blew up like the protocol died or like there was a cascade failure or blew up and, oh, we got 5,000 people buying this, this magic internet money coin that we got. (laughs) No, it it blew up in the sense that it it generated way too many coins too fast. Oh, okay. It, It was about 2 million coins in about 24 hours which is about 33% of all of the coins in existence. And so those actually got distributed to a lot of people. I would say less than 1,000, more than 100. And I actually didn't get most of those coins. I have, I'm have i not even the largest holder of Dash. Oh, interesting. And then in the other sense of the Instamine, I 
don't think it's a very big deal. We, we asked the community early on if we should restart, and they said no, and I was perfectly willing to restart if they wanted to. But you know, now, now that we've went with it, it it's working out great. I, I don't really see an issue with it, and I don't think it'll be an issue in the long term. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, subjective value theory, people are going to buy, pay what they think it's worth, you know, and who's X to say that Y is getting a bad deal. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And if you look at the the world and the way that it's structured with corporations, they're essentially all Instamind. And so this is a, a normal thing that happens in the world and people get something for nothing. And then they turn that something into something that's worth a lot based off of tons of effort. And that's essentially what we did. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to take seed level risk, you should get seed level reward. If you're going to take series D level risk, you should get series D level reward. I mean, it's actually pretty, pretty simple how this works. You know, I, I, when I was also reading through this article that had a lot of the criticisms, I, I was actually really disappointed in the lack of quality of the scholarship. For example, they said that Greg Maxwell made particular assertions about Dash, and then they provided a link. So I went and read the link, and guess what? Like, that's not what it said, (laughs) or at least that's not how I understood it. And I was only really able to find one credible and verifiable assertion, and it was by Peter Todd. And so, and it was actually on Twitter, and like 140 characters, you really can't say a lot. But this is basically what Peter Todd had to say, and maybe you'll be able to address it. Quote, without a doubt, I'd choose Monero over Dash. The latter is snake oil, the former genuine crypto. Is that a valid criticism? If it isn't, like, why not? Well, so he's never actually given us anything substantial to go off of. And I would love to have a conversation with the guy because he's a really smart guy and I'm sure that he could give me valid criticisms, then I could fix them. And that's the whole point. We want to make a better cryptocurrency. This isn't some scam. We're actually putting in a lot of effort and trying to make something that's really cool and usable. It, do you think there's a way to set up a funding of like to have Peter Todd review the code or something? I mean, he seems to be very mercenary-like in that sense. If oh, you'll pay him, he'll probably look at we it. We could probably actually fund it from the blockchain. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. use this Dash funding because, I mean, we've seen a lot of blockchains actually where they haven't been thoroughly reviewed. And then when people have gotten in and reviewed the blockchains, they found major problems with them. In fact, a specific example of that was Kraken. We wanted to add Namecoin to Kraken. And our devs looked, you know, went and co- we're, we're not like Cripsy or some of these other exchanges that'll just add any coin, right? Like we actually read the code and our devs found a critical vulnerability in the Namecoin code, which they first took to the Namecoin dev team and the Namecoin dev team didn't do anything about it. And so then they published it publicly. And I think the Namecoin drop went from like $2 to 14 cents or something. And, and the name and the Namecoin dev team still didn't fix the critical vulnerability. And so the Kraken devs fixed it. And then it recovered to like $10 over the next month or something. And then like, you know, retreated again. But, you know, reviewing somebody's code takes one, highly specialized, highly skilled ability. Two, there's opportunity cost to somebody doing that. You know, why should everybody expect to just have the code reviewed? Just because it's open source doesn't mean that somebody with a brain is going to review it. And three, like who's going to pay to get that done? And so it's very interesting that Dash actually has an ability to fund this directly from the blockchain. 
Well, absolutely. It's good that you're doing that work, but, you know, I don't think the Kraken should actually be paying for it. I mean, it should be paid for by the, the coin itself, which we could do based off of the structure. So, yeah, well, I mean, in Kraken's case, uh, I guess, you know, we had done the we'd done the ROI analysis thinking, you know, the increased trading volume and gross uh, revenue of commissions from having Namecoin trading on the exchange would justify putting in the dev resources to one, evaluate the coin, two, fix any of the problems that came up in that evaluation, and then three, get the Kraken systems to be able to handle it, you know, setting up the wallets and all this stuff. Because it, it's not free to just like add a coin to an exchange. Oh, absolutely. Um, it takes resources in order to do that. And like, who's going to pay for it? And is it going to actually generate a return? So, you know, I guess in Kraken's instance, like they had made that decision with Namecoin to go ahead and do it. But there's a reason that like Kraken doesn't support every coin that Tom, Tom Dick and Harry like make, you know? And, it's interesting. I find it very interesting that instead of like hoping or praying that some exchange will think, oh, you know, we should support Dash, you can actually fund that that support directly via the blockchain. Yeah. Another interesting aspect of the funding system is using it like options derivatives. So we could actually fund an exchange to do this work and then give them a long window where they get Dash every single month for a long period of time. And based off of the inclusion on their exchange, they would probably see price appreciation, which then benefits them greater than they would have otherwise with like a single payment. So, I mean, it opens up a variety of options for us. Man, this is just so fascinating. You know, when the first car was invented, it was called like a horseless carriage, right? And there were a lot of different tinkering that went on until we got what we traditionally see is the automobile. And now actually the automobile industry is going through another disruptive technology and innovation change with self-driving cars and everything. I think we're seeing the same type of thing with cryptocurrencies. I mean, is that is that what you would kind of say? And what, what do you kind of see for the going forward in the future in terms of like R&D and, and how the R&D and the ecosystem gets allocated and done? Oh, absolutely. So the way I see it is that we should be experimenting with every possible solution people come up with right now. This is in its infancy. And so we want to build something on the most stable foundation that's possible because we're going to get stuck with that at some point. These systems are too large to change radically later. And so we should be doing this now. And, and that's why we're here. That's why, that's why we're doing what we're doing. And a lot of this has to be done at these really lower levels. So what are some, uh, you know, new projects or new R&D that you'd like to see happen or, or are going to be happening or, or currently being worked on in the Dash project? Well, so it's actually really exciting what we're doing right now. We have our entire team focusing on this new effort, which we call Evolution, and we're currently developing this out. And so basically what it is, based off of the second tier in the collateralized nature with the secure communication, it opens up a window into being able to do all sorts of things. So imagine you have a decentralized file system and you base it off of the collateral hash per node. And so based off the collateral hash, you can figure out which shard they are. And so you have, you know, 1,024 shards on this file system. And per node, you require 40 gigabytes of storage. Now we have vast amounts of storage. And then on the other side, we could open up the second tier to supporting HTTP connections. 
And so we can open a real communication API, similar to something like Stripe or PayPal. And it'll be super easy to use and friendly. And this is like a, a new type of thing in crypto that we haven't seen before because the only alternative is SPV or, or these types of, of uh, other ideas which rely on uh, more centralized foundations. So are you, are you kind of asserting that you'd be able to create something that would even rival the MadeSafe uh, vaporware? Because <laughs> MadeSafe actually used to have a market cap uh, significantly higher than Dash's, and now I think it's about half or a third of Dash's market cap. And MadeSafe hasn't been able to actually deliver any working software to the marketplace yet. And yet they had raised a bunch of money in their crowdfunding. Do you think that that has to do with like the economic incentives and structures that are set up? Is Dash going to be able to evolve and actually ship software that works uh, in this type of a way? I mean, is that what you're seeing? Well, so our file system is only going to be used for the network storage. So let's say I have a mobile device and you have a mobile device and we both have a Dash Pay account. And so you log in, I log in, we, we friend each other and I send you five of my next public keys on the back end encrypted. You send me your next five and then I can send a payment to you by clicking your name, clicking to Dash and send. And I don't really have to know your address. And your friends list is stored on the network encrypted and some other like metadata is stored on there. And so it's not for storage of anything, but once we have this platform, I'm sure anyone could fork it and make something identical to what MadeSafe was trying to do pretty easily. Yeah. Well, and it also sounds like, you know, very similar to the RetroShare project. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but in terms of, you know, being able to create these decentralized distributed systems to to provide the the service or the value for a whole bunch of different things that we want, you know, which is kind of made safe's vision, but you know, they they were supposed to deliver on that vision like two years ago. So, you know, it's vaporware until proven otherwise, uh, is kind of what the seems to be the general consensus there. So you know, where where do you want to see Dash, like, in five or ten years? I mean, is it just going to be an R&D project and eventually just peter out? you see it becoming, a, like, a big, massive player in the ecosystem? So I, I don't think the, the Bitcoin project can actually adopt all of our changes because the ones after the second tier are radical, and it would take an entire restructuring of their code base. And I just don't think that it can happen. So we will always be, you know, a, another project in the space that, that is used. And the way that we want to be used is we want to make something that's so ridiculously easy to use that anyone can use it and they, they won't even know it's a cryptocurrency. And so imagine a decentralized PayPal built on top of a decentralized currency where everyone's just got their mobile devices and later on no one even knows that it's a decentralized currency. That's really what we're going for. And so, you know, you can imagine how many people can use that and for what purposes, who knows. But that that's really the vision. Well, this has been uh, just an excellent interview. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, we've had Evan Duffield, the lead developer of the Dash project. Uh, thanks for being with us, Evan. Yeah, thank you. Get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn.
Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.